Hi, and welcome to Transparent with Tina. I'm Tina Marks, your host. Today's guest had a very tumultuous um, childhood. And, you know, we were talking before the show, and I was thinking to myself, people that had a really, really rough go at it from an early age can either go down the wrong path, or they can basically hide the rest of their lives not causing any harm really to themselves or others, or they can have a breakthrough. And my guest is falls under category number three. She is truly broken through all of her limiting beliefs, her boundaries. She um, has just a, a GED, which is a high school education diploma. She went on to form a her own company in 2012, sold it in 2019 for $500,000, by the way, she started the company with only $400 to her name and sold it for $500,000. She's gone on to be an author. She has just started an apparel line and has her own YouTube show. Up next, Jenna Banks. Welcome, Jenna. So good to see your smiling face. Thank you. Tina, so excited to be on your show. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. It was so great being on your show too. There is oh my gosh. What a so great much, show. Yeah, great energy between you and I. We both have the same message, but in different tongues, which is why we do this, right? That's why you have me on your show and I have you on my show because you know what? My experience may be similar to yours, but it's always a little bit different. So Absolutely. whole goal is for somebody listening or watching to identify with our, me, my guests, whoever, to help move them forward. That's Absolutely. really that's and your messaging resonates so much to me. Just everything you say, you speak my language. <laughs> I, you know what? And it's funny because I, you know, it was incredible because I was reading through your notes, this, the, the guest appearance form this morning. This is the first time I looked at it. And I know you sent it in a long time ago. Um, but I was like, wow, because, you know, I know that we had a lot of similarities. Mm-hmm. Yours are like even deeper in some areas, like we're going to go into actually in a minute here after I like, basically you're an author, you're an entrepreneur, you have your own YouTube channel, which is called the Jenna Bank Show, right? Mm-hmm, exactly. You also started a new apparel line and we're yes. going to get all that so everybody can hear that. But first we're going to go to the backstory, which we always do. Okay. Okay. You know, for that, you know, I mean, you had a difficult upbringing, you know, you did. And, you know, we, we talk, I like to talk about that first because, you know, it's funny because I was being interviewed yesterday and um, I think a lot of people see, you know, when you have those high numbers of followers and, you know, they, they, people are like, oh my God, I've never heard of it before. It's like overnight. It yeah. didn't happen. <laughs> yeah always it always appears that way you know when like a celebrity becomes all of a sudden they're on on the on the scene yeah just like my nephew but my nephew is like he, he's really in the, the limelight in as an actor right now but oh. it was years and years and years and years but just right. because you notice them doesn't you know so we always like to hear the backstory because you know anybody that's watching this show is for you not to get discouraged with your life, you know? And so you can see the backstory and you can see the work involved and you can see the pain and the heartache and everything else. Yeah. So let's start there. You, you had a rough beginning for sure. Yeah. And it's funny when you were on my show, it's, it's funny that you went right to the backstory because 
uh, there was a moment during my show that you mentioned something and I didn't stop you, but I figured one day we get back to that topic. I wanted to kind of bring it up because you mentioned something about the parents or either it was parents or family members not ha- having to be connected with them if you don't want to. And I was like, ooh, that's something I could totally dive into. Yeah, with you. It, was, it was both for me. Yeah, I wondered. I, I wondered that. OK, so both parents. Tina. No, not, not my, not my mom, but it was my dad. And, you know, he, uh, we stopped talking four years before he passed away. And then I got a call when he was in the hospital, he had a stroke. So I did go to see him. So I did go to like, when he could barely talk, I said, I love you. And that was a really cathartic for me. And mm-hmm. he, as much as he could say it back. And then, you know, he, four months later, he's still in the hospital you know, my, my stepmother pulled the plug and I went in to say goodbye and which was really kind of interesting how life works. Because when I went in there to say, I went in there to say now or never say everything that was on your heart, say everything that hurt you about him, you know, because he really couldn't talk back. I mean, he was, (laughs) and yeah. And and honestly, that was the grace of God, because if he could talk back, I don't think I could have ever let that out, you know, and it Mm. wasn't yelling or pointy finger was just more like, man, I was in so much pain and like how mm-hmm. I felt I was so unloved my whole life. And, you know, Did it why didn't you, you love it me? Like that? I'm sorry. Did it help you letting it out like that? Oh my God. Of course it did. I mean, I never thought I could actually do it face to face, even though his eyes were closed, you know, it was just being in his presence and, and letting him but you know, he's come to me, you know, from beyond and I, believe it or not. And we've had conversations. So it's been really interesting. Yeah. What's that like? My gosh, Tina. Yeah. Intriguing. Oh, yeah. this is your <laughs> interview. But yeah, you know, it, it, I've had my brother who passed away when I was nine come back and I had my father come back. Um, my brother came back in a vision. So it was like his outline of his body. And, you know, I, it wasn't, it's not just me because my brother, my other brother and I used to be in the same room, we were younger and um, he saw the same thing. And he like turned on the light and went like, what's that? And we went to my mom because I was feeling like this present because we were the only ones with my, with that weren't with my brother when he passed away, my other brother and sister were. So it was like, he was coming back to say goodbye. And my mom being the spiritual person that she was, Came in, and, you know, we said, what was that? She said, it was probably Peter saying goodbye. That was my brother's name. My dad came in through, you can come in through visions or you can come through temperature. And he came in through temperature. And temperature? Temperature. Whoa. Temperature. I was, I was um, working for Capitol Records at the time. I had a really cute but old apartment, you know, that's really, really. Oh, I've had one of those. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was summertime. It was like probably a hundred degrees or 90 degrees. And I was sleeping naked. I'll never forget. Cause that's part of the story. And it was so hot. And all of a sudden the temperature just went from like 90 or hundred to like serious, like it just all of a sudden went down to like 60 and Whoa. Right then, woke, it like startled me. And then as it startled me, it was like, I started hearing this. I'm here. It's dad. And I immediately covered up. Because I'm like, oh my God, you're going to see me naked. It was the crazy. And he talked and said, I'm sorry. And this and that. And then as soon as he was done, he said goodbye. And he left and the temperature went back up to 90. And I've thought about this over and over again. And I'm like, you know, it's just not possible. I couldn't, my brain couldn't work that fast. You know, so. How long after his death was this? This was, let's see, he passed in. Well, I was still in that same apartment. It was probably within a year or two. It was it's it so was interesting because so I was in that apartment when he passed, and I don't think I was in that apartment longer than two years. So, have was, you ever read that book, Journey of the Souls? No, 
Oh my God, you have to read it. It is, uh, a friend of mine compares it to Many Lives, Many Masters, which I've never oh, read. Oh, love that book. Before. Love. Yes. But if you've read it, then you you get the concept um, oh, and yeah. it might not be of interest to you if you've already read it, because I understand it, it's basically the same thing. It's a hypnotherapist who, uh, acts, he, who used to do past life regression and he accidentally stumbles upon uh, another layer in our subconscious. He, tr- he uses a trigger phrase or something. And then he realized, oh my God, there's just another layer. And so he started doing it on more patients and then he just dove right into that work. And he just basically maps out what happens to us after we die and the whole, the whole trajectory. It's really fascinating. I just had actually had a reading one. He's going to be on my show. And he did this whole thing that I was like the king of Denmark. And, you know, I, I started off really well, but then I got greedy. Really interesting. <laughs> I, do, I do believe in reincarnation. I love that stuff. You know, so um, anyway, so anyway. that's that's kind of my thing. So, so Tina, did you make? I know this is my interview, but and I'm sorry, I'm I'm taking over the hosting. <laughs> As you can tell, I'm used to hosting, <laughs> yeah. but I, I'm fascinated by this. But um, just you know, I would like to know: Did you close out that those issues with your father because yes. he came back and apologized? That's huge. Yes, yes, and I think. No, absolutely. I, I hold nothing. I mean, only but love, you know, because I, it wasn't at that moment that, that I did that. It was later on. I think when I found metaphysics, because I was about 28 years old, I was 28 when he died. This is maybe when I was 30. And then when I found metaphysics at 35 mm-hmm. and I started applying the principles and I just started realizing, you know, and the older I get, the more I just was like, you know, come on, here's the thing. It's like, if you could do better, you would. Nobody yeah. starts out in this course. I want to be a shitty person. Yeah, of course not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and now that I'm a mother, it's like, there are certain things my son's going to say that I didn't do correctly. Of course. And, you know, he did the best that he could with what he had. Mm-hmm. And I, know story, I only know stories about my grandparents because I never met them. They were already mm-hmm. gone by the time. Mm-hmm. But I know it wasn't easy for him. I just know it wasn't easy for him. And he didn't do the discovery and self-discovery that like you and I are doing. And this is why we do this, these shows. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't want that kind of life. You don't want to be filled with resentment and fear Mm -hmm. and anger and doubt. You know, you got to do the work and we're here to help you and do your story and my story and everybody that we have on our shows. It's like, like I said, somebody's going to identify with some of it and and apply it. And that's it. You don't get out of it just by doing nothing. You don't know. I mean, that means you have to probably keep coming back in another life and another life and another exactly. life until you get it. My last one. because I-, <laughs> I know, right? You're doing it all in one lifetime. And eat whatever I want. And I'm not going to be, I'm gonna be sitting You're going to be a guide. Life. You're going to be a spirit guide going forward after that. You're not even co- going to come down to earth anymore. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm done with earth. I want to go. <laughs> so wait, I'm who's your me. other, who's your other, so with your dad, you didn't talk to for the last four years. What about who you said there was one more? My, no. Um, although, well, the other person was my brother when I was nine my years brother. old. So okay. yeah, we saw him, you know, shortly after he passed too. So, you know, that's interesting that you asked that question. So I didn't put that together because both of them were very short after they passed. It wasn't like years and years and years and years. Mm-hmm. It was a very short period of time after they passed. So mm-hmm. You know, I, I, you know, so obviously I believe in reincarnation and, you know, yeah. if it ha- if it's one thing reading a book, it's another thing, but it happens to you. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I know there's, there's, it's not, this is not our final stop. 
by any stretch of the imagination. Definitely not. As far as I, I like you, I think this might be my last lifetime. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, if you learn your lessons well, you don't have to keep coming back, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, okay. um, unlike you, I stopped talking to my parents long ago. Um, so my, and, and it's so strange how it happened in the same time frame. their divorce. I haven't seen, they haven't been together since I was like a year, year and a half, something like that. And so I didn't know them ever together. And yet it's very interesting that they both exited my life in the same year, probably within about a six month window of one another. They passed on. No, they exited my life. Okay. Tell us more about that. So, you know, I'm writing a book about self-love. I should have turned that darn speaker off. That's okay. Gotta love the robots. It's just life. Stuff like that used to bother me before. It's like everybody knows that. Um, So what are you going to do? So yeah, you know, I'm writing a book all about self-love and I had a very tough upbringing and that's probably part of my journey was to write this book because of just having to overcome all the things that I had to overcome. And so, um, I guess maybe I'll tell you the, the breaking off period and then give you the backstory. Um, you know, my dad and I had a very told, we didn't really have a relationship. He called once a year. I was raised with him till I was about 14. He was a very uh, domineering father. It was, um, and he's also a narcissist. And so, um, and you know what that means, um, but of course, growing up, we didn't know what that meant. It was his way, or that's just, it was just his way. And, you know, our personalities were pretty much squashed. Um, we weren't allowed to be who we were. We were supposed to live by the Bible and he was very, very religious. We went to church, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, only went to Christian school with led in a very sheltered, sheltered home. It was almost like a cult, like kind of upbringing, really, um, you know, watching Scooby-Doo was, uh, evil, you know, like really hardcore. When you say it was like a cult, was there like, was he following somebody like a lot of these cults? Nope. No, No, but he was raised in this, you know, I was born in the seventies. My parents had me during that whole communal time. I think they met in a commune. I mean, you know, her, her, uh, my mother's brother was in a cult. He married a cult member. Uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if they were both in cults at one point in time. I don't know that for a fact, but um, that was that time frame. you know? So, you know, he got saved uh, when I was a baby and, um, And so anyway, he just became very into religion and had five children. And I was the oldest and I was from my mother. I was the only one from my mother. And then he, they divorced when I was a year and a half and he, he remarried and had four more kids. So I was raised in his home. So you're the, you're the oldest. I was the oldest and I was the only one from the other mother. Right. And so, and, and so I basically, you know, had four younger half siblings that um, I helped raise. I was very responsible for them. And, um, but, you know, it was corporal punishment kind of parenting. So it was spare the rods, spoil the child, very religious. I recall specifically being told as a child that you better not tell anyone that we spank you with a two by four, or you could be taken out of our home. Two by four, meaning a two by four plank? Yes. And how often was that? Anytime we did anything wrong. 
in anything bad. And it could have been eating candy because we weren't allowed to eat candy. Just yeah, doing, breaking the that. rules. My dad did that. If I, if it was in between eating hours. I mean, yep. I had the same thing. I had Oreos in my mouth, came in the pantry, smacked my mouth and I had Oreos. It just, it doesn't even mm. make sense to me. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. But, but again, now, okay. Looking me, looking back, I'm going again, that's probably how he was taught. Right. Of and course. They thought they were doing something unless they're getting off on watching a child in pain. I think they were thought they were doing something right. I, yes. And I go back and forth between that because I, they, he, uh, the weird, you know, how we're programmed as children. So oddly, you know, he would say after every spanking, you know, he'd sit you down and say, you know, after you were crying your eyes out, you can't, you couldn't, he wouldn't stop until you were bawling. Your pants were pulled down, underwear down, kind of sadistic a little bit if you think about it. But, um, but, um, you know, he'd sit you down afterwards and he'd say, uh, you know, we do this because I do this because I love you. I, so, I'm how did you know? <laughs> I did, well, I just knew that. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because that's what we course. I mean, honestly, he may have felt that. That's what I was trying to say earlier. It's like, you know, you never know. I mean, depending on, on how he was raised or whatever. Right. I mean, he wasn't raised like so, that. So, so I wanted to, well, okay. So then he got into something that he just got brainwashed or he was into like, you know, getting off on watching inflicting. Who pain. knows? I can't, yeah. I, I have no idea. All I know is I didn't feel any love. Yeah. yeah. And so I, you know, I, we were, I was so suppressed as a child. Did he watched- do the same thing to your siblings? Oh yeah. Okay. So you weren't singled out. No, no. Right. And what was worse is me watching them be tortured. You know, that's what it felt like for me because I was the oldest kid. So, and I I always wanted to protect them. So just hearing the cries and it was just, it was, it was torture constantly because not only was it torture to be abused because it was abuse to me, but to watch your siblings get abused too. So it was basically constant because there are five of us. You're getting in trouble. And your stepmother was fine with this. I think she kind of. Turned the other way. I know. I think she promoted it. Oh, I think she was the one who was raised by it. And in fact, oh. I know she was. And okay. perhaps she's the one who got him into it. You know, um, I, I mean, I can't. Yeah. So anyway, that was the home we were raised in. And I was like, I, I just felt like uh, locked in a jail cell, you know, yeah. so I didn't feel any love. I didn't feel connection. I'm living with my stepmom. I'm taking care of these kids that she put a lot of responsibility onto me. And I just wasn't. I just didn't feel like alive, you know, I just couldn't yeah. wait to get out of there. And so 14 years old, one day I just sitting in my bedroom, I was sent there by my stepmom after spitting on my brother for something he did, or he spit on me first. And then I spit on him and he went and told on me. And so I got sent to the room to re and, and I was told to sit there and wait in anticipation for my father oh, to I've come. Had that. spank me. And that was typical. If you get in trouble, you just go to the room and you have to wait. And so you're sitting there in anticipation of the beating you're going to get and having to read the Bible. And, you know, that was typical. I had that Bible so well memorized Um, and still do. But um, yeah, so I'm in there and I'm just going, you know what, something has to change. And I just had just, I just, this feeling this, and, and I talk about this in my book, uh, you know, that it's the book that's coming up. It's not out yet, but, um, the, the, just the feeling, I, I remember it so clearly and I don't have a lot of memories as a child, but I remember like just that feeling of saying, I want change to myself. Something has to change. 
And um, I just said, okay, when he, and I had so much time to rehearse what I was going to say, I'm like, I'm going to get up the courage to finally speak up for myself and say how I really feel after he spanks me. And, um, and cause that'll give me the balls to do it, you know? Right. And so, and I had it all rehearsed out. I'm going to say, you know, you know, dad, I know we don't, you know, I've never, we've never really had a real conversation. I've never been allowed to tell you how I really feel. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you how I feel. I don't want to be here anymore. And you did say that, well, that's what I rehearsed. And I got in there, got the spanking, cried my ass off. It was exactly what I needed to get the balls to say it. Yeah, yeah. And I said it. I said it just how I rehearsed it. And you were held up this time? 14. Okay. And you know what he said? What? Where are you going to go? And I said, my mom's. I I hadn't really thought about it. And he's like, well, what would you do? He's like, will you run away if you don't get to go there? And I go, I hadn't really thought of that either. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, okay. That was it. Was it? Didn't try and stop you. Nope. Didn't try I mean, and stop what, you know, here's what he did do. He had, um, so I bought my ticket. I had just gotten a job that summer with my first job. I had to pay for the ticket with my own money, which was fine. It was a feeling of freedom and independence. And um, I hadn't lived with my mom ever. My mom, I talked to her once a year, didn't really know her. And I was uh, going to ask you why, because usually, you know, when parents split up, the child goes with the mother. Yeah, she she had some. Did she not fight for you, or is is that? Uh, She claims that she was doing it to protect me. Uh, She she gave me up to protect me. Uh, I I don't want to get into too many details, um, but she thought she was doing the right thing, and she really wasn't equipped to raise me. So she had some emotional issues, major emotional issues, and and was going college and whatever. And my dad you know, was giving her a hard time and she didn't want to deal with it. So she, so she gave me up and, um, and so, and I was like a year and a half. So, you know, I don't know how much bonding could have been done by that time anyways. Um, so I went to go live with him and she called, she called me once a year, maybe that at that. And the times I would see her maybe every other year or so, my grandmother would probably force the situation and they would come together. And so it was usually my grandmother that I really bonded with, which was her mother. Um, so, so, you know, I say this to him and he's like, well, so a day passes or so. And he says, would you, would you speak to the pastor of the church at least? I said, yes, of course. So I go to the pastor and then the pastor proceeds to tell him I inherited a devil from my mother. You, you what? I inherited a devil or a That's demon. That's what I thought you said. That's what I thought. From, from my mother. This is what the pastor said. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So um, I think. Now you feel just, like you got nobody on your side. Yeah. 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 So, so a couple of weeks later, off I went to California. And so I was living in Florida at the time, go live with my mom. And I she knew guess, she knew you were coming. Oh, yeah. She agreed to it. Okay. Or whatever her motivation was. Okay. She agreed to it. And, um, and I can um, now, based on what I've told you, I'm sure you can imagine how that went. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So grass is not always greener on the other side. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was so, you know, the funny thing was I always, I was enamored with her. You know, she was cool to me. She's this eclectic woman who was into cool stuff like belly dancing with 
snakes and she had boa constrictors and pythons and exotic birds and and she was in the fashion industry and um you know she see she had she seemed like a just a cool interesting mysterious woman to me you know Mm -hmm. so I I was really excited to spend time with this woman I really didn't know but that was my birth mother so um and you know when I went to live with her my dad never really reached out um or my stepmom I was basically Mm -hmm. ostracized and I, and I wasn't really allowed to talk to the kids. So, because now I had this devil in me, this demon, you know, I'd be a bad influence. And now it's like, well, you're not able to live by our rules. See ya. Yeah. And you must've missed your siblings too. I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So how was it living with your mom then? Was that it was torturous. Um, you know, I only recently got over some, um, I, I was having these, these nightmares, uh, dreams, actually not nightmares. I had these constant dreams of, of her birds in these cages. And, um, this was up until last year when I finally resolved this, I didn't know what this meant, but there was a hidden meaning behind it. I kept, I would constantly have these dreams that I was tasked with taking care of my mother's birds. And they would be dying, you know, and I'd realize, oh my God, I haven't fed these birds that I've been supposed to be feeding and um, they're dying, but their beaks would start to fall off. You know, they would just be, but I catch them in time, you know, but then I'd feel really guilty and bad that I hadn't taken care of these birds. And I'm just like ashamed, a lot of shame, a lot of guilt around just having dropped the ball on taking care of these birds. And I uh, read uh, Mastin Kipp's book, Claim Your Power, last uh-huh. year. Uh-huh. And um, he's all about, you know, trauma. That's his big, I don't know if you know who he is, but he's all, he's all about trauma and um, healing trauma, how trauma impacts your life. And um, I had never really Um, done any diving into that kind of work before last year. And so I was just like, oh my God. And so I did one of his uh, journaling exercises after every chapter, there's a journaling exercise, which was very helpful for me. And um, in, in, there was this one uh, section where he had you kind of think back to a moment that you were traumatized um, by one of your parents. Now I thought my trauma came from my father. Come to find out my trauma came from my mother. My God, I can't believe you said that. Isn't that I, crazy? That, okay. So go, go into that a little bit more because, you know, I, I had the same thing because I always thought, you know, it was all my father and not my mother. And when I went to an intensive weekend, it was a silent weekend retreat, except when you were in exercise. So a silent weekend? I said, well, here, here's the deal. So you're in exercise all day. There was only 10 people there. Okay. okay. So you're in exercises all day, but when you weren't in exercise, when it was time, cause you had a roommate. Okay. It was, it was three days. You, you're sleeping at this place. You can't talk to anybody when you're outside of exercise. So if I have a roommate, I can't say, well, what did you think about today? Or what do you think about so-and-so's story or whatever? And I thought that was, it was so brilliantly done because think about it. There was no room for gossip, gossiping. And you just wanted, you want to take all of that in. Right. And it makes you stay true to yourself because if somebody said, well, can you believe what that person did the next day, maybe you're not going to open up an exercise because you've heard that that person, see what I'm saying? I thought it was really mm. well done, but, mm. but the only thing I want to add is that I had no idea that there, there was one exercise that came out 
that was about my mom. And I was really angry about my mom. My anger for my mom was basically because she didn't protect me from my dad. Mm. But I yeah. never thought that I had any, any anger towards my mom. So anyway, mm. interesting. Yeah. 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 So you found out you were really angry with your mom. Well, so come to find out. Okay. So then, so now, you know, I'm having these, uh, these dreams and I didn't realize that, that I had the biggest trauma for my mom. So what happened was I got to live with her at the age of 14 and, uh, I went from a house that now, you know, how strict it was to literally no rules whatsoever. Like zero, with your mom, yeah, yeah. Right. like zero rules. You come and go as you please, but not only that, there's no concern whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the, whatever you, there's no parenting at all. It was just a roommate and kids, you know, kids, they're like, Oh my God, I would love that. No, you wouldn't. No, no, you wouldn't. After a while you wouldn't, because like you said, you would not feel cared for. And you don't feel safe really. Yeah. I mean, I was up to my own device. I left to my own devices. And I mean, I wouldn't come home a lot of times I'd stay at my friend's houses. She wouldn't know. She wouldn't care. There was no asking where I was. You could have been missing for, yeah, yeah she wouldn't, she wouldn't care. Well, and then what would happen is, uh, I would get in trouble and instead of the spanking, she would lock me out of the house literally changed the door locks to teach me a lesson. That was her way. And so you would have to go someplace else to sleep, I guess. Anywhere. And she wouldn't care. And this was before cell phones existed. I couldn't get a hold of her. No, there was no getting a hold of her anywhere. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I, I would stay with boys that were way too old that were interested in me and sometimes out of high school because that was the only place I could turn to. Right. You know, so did that um, ever become dangerous for you? Thank God. No, thank God. You're lucky. lucky. I had no, you know, look, my father raised us in this very strict religious home that I didn't even know. I didn't even have sex education. We didn't go to a public school. We went to Christian school. I didn't know what sex was. Okay. So we're going to take a break and we will be right back. This podcast is brought to you by Danette May and Mindful Health LLC, featuring Danette May's top superfood product from her Earth Echo Foods line, Cacao Bliss. Nothing feels better than being able to enjoy rich, smooth, creamy chocolate and knowing you're doing something great for your body. It starts with 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun, maintaining its miraculous health benefits. It's then blended with turmeric, MCT oil, coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, and black pepper for the perfect blend to make you feel your best. The result, fall in love with a truly decadent, healthy, guilt-free chocolate, removing cravings, facilitating weight loss, boosting your energy, and reducing inflammation with one simple drink. Not only that, it's friendly to paleo, gluten-free, keto, vegan, and vegetarian diets. For the last eight years, Earth Echo Foods has been a leader in the superfoods market and are proud to have served millions of customers worldwide. Use the code TRANSPARENT and receive 15% off your purchase today. Go to earthechofoods.com forward slash transparent with Tina. Right. You know, and so, so now well, I'm let me just... ask you what, well, you know, I, I don't know if I should ask this now. I might as well. I mean, what, what are your views on religion now or, or, or God or spirituality or... I have come full circle on this. And, um, you know, I became an atheist after I, uh, you know, I was like, look, these guys are hypocrites. It's bullshit. Um, and then I didn't feel that connection. However, I remember being young and thinking constantly to myself, I'm a very logical, reasonable person, even as a child I was. And I looked at the hypocrisy and I was just like, this is double standards constantly. If you can throw a scripture at me, I can throw the same scripture back at you and show you how you don't live up to that. 
So mm-hmm. you're trying to throw that as a model of living, but yet you were contradicting yourself at every turn. So yeah, um, there was there was that feeling of like, okay, this is BS, whatever this is. But I also thought to myself, you know, if there is a God, why do you need a broker like the church? It just didn't make sense to me. It's like all this power concentrated into this place that basically rules you because now we were as as a family we lived and abided by the bible and we abided by the church and the pastor had so much power over your life and it just just seemed like this imbalance of power really so as i um got older i so i became an atheist um as how i called myself for a while and then in my 20s I started becoming more spiritual. So I found yoga and then I'd read books by Deepak Chopra and Eckhart Tolle. And I started to um, meditate and get into, and then connected. Then I connected. And then I, then I became very spiritual. So mm-hmm. I still consider myself extremely spiritual. How I feel about religion, however, is two-sided. Number one, I think it's good that people have something that if that's what it takes to have some kind of spiritual practice, great. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think it does some harm too. Does it do more good than harm? I think so. Um, But the harm on the side of it is that it's used as a crutch for like my, my father, it was a, it was a, you know, it, it, it justified things that I think, you know, are not necessarily helpful. I don't think it was helpful the way it justified the treatment you know, our treatment as children. And, um, and, you know, a lot of the texts I read now, uh, even this book I'm reading right now by Dr. Shafali, I don't know if you've read it yet, Tina, if you haven't, I highly recommend it. I think you'll freaking love it. It is called um, a radical awakening. And it is radical. And she's getting a lot of, (laughs) a lot of, uh, I was just watching a live um, uh, webinar or a live uh, Instagram that she did the other day, and she's getting a lot of pushback on it. Um, what's, what's her last name? Doctor who? Shafali. So she wrote the conscious parent, which Oprah loves, like love, love, love. She just mm-hmm. adores that book. And, um, and, uh, it was pretty groundbreaking at the time when it came out, I didn't read it. I think it came out in 2010. Um, I only heard about it because I heard, I saw her speak recently and that's what prompted me to get the book. Powerful, powerful stuff. But she talks about also, you know, I don't want to put words in her mouth because I'm just now reading the book. Uh, I'm almost done with it, but she says something to the effect of, you know, she, she challenges religions too. It's like uh, dogma, you know, isn't necessarily, um, you know, I don't know the best practice, you know, and again, I don't want to put words into her mouth, but uh, there are other leaders that I love to follow that say similar things. And there's also a book out by Anita Morjani which I absolutely adore Um, reading the book journey of the souls, which talks about what happens after we die, led me down the path to read Anita Morjani's book, which is dying to be me. Now she actually died, passed on from terminal cancer, um, organ failure, complete death. I forgot how long she was dead for. I think it was minutes. Her family came to say goodbye or her brothers flying in from, um, India to say goodbye. She passes on. She sees her brother in the plane. Like she's now, she's now her in her spirit life. She sees everything. And she, she's basically, she goes to the other side and she realizes, Oh my God, I caused my cancer, you know? And, um, like it, she realizes that it was her own power that was turned against her. She turned her own, you know, her fears and her worries and her limiting beliefs Absolutely. internally. Absolutely. And created the cancer. 
Now, and when she I, realized, I want everybody to hear that. I really want everybody to hear that because you know it's not. I don't. I don't believe that it's random. You know, yeah. your thoughts are things, and if they affect you negatively mm-hmm. and they're trapped in negative emotions, you know, they don't just go away unless you make a conscious effort to to release them. Whether it's through therapy or it's you know tapping. I mean, there's there's different ways to do it physically yeah. and and you know um, verbally and mentally and there's tools that you that are available to you but if you don't do anything and you just you just keep hoarding these negative feelings mm-hmm. that does turn in what is it what does disease stand for disease right yeah. exactly and you know what i know with my cancer when i had cancer i know that it was all that strife and anger and sadness that finally that's that's what happened to me and so the turning point for me, that was really a big turning point for me in the way that I lived my life. I said, you know, I'm just not going to do this anymore. It's just mm. going to be at my cost. And it's not just at my cost. It's my son's cost because I have a child now. Yeah. So you know, if something happens to me, it's going, he's going to bear the, the brunt of it. Yeah. So, you know, really everybody don't think that it's just random and, well, you know, I can keep doing this. And, and, you know, it's not just what you put in your body with, you know, eating and drinking and so forth. It's, it's what you think. It's what you feel. Experiences and the experiences, mm-hmm. and, you know, you need to find a way to release them. Forgive. Resentment is, is a killer. Resentment. Mm-hmm. Everybody talks about stress that we know that. But what causes the stress? The stress causes, mm-hmm. what causes the stress is strife in your life, right? So mm-hmm. we find ways to make our lives more in alignment with who we really are in our true nature, yeah. which is just love and joy and peace. Yeah. You have to, fi- you have to figure out what's caught. You have to pay attention to it and address it. You can't just let it sit there because it will manifest in all kinds of ways. And for um, Anita Morjani, it manifested into cancer and she right. realized, so, okay, I, I caused this, which means I could heal myself. And so she has the choice to come back and she makes the choice to come back because she knows I can, I can actually cure myself of cancer. And I can not only do that, but I can help a million people because now right. I know that that's, that's what happened. Which she did through her book. That was the reason why she came back. Absolutely. Although she didn't know that she was, she was meant to help others. So, but that's how the universe intended it because, um, so she comes back into her, her body and, it's just shocking because she literally was dead and came back. And mm-hmm. I, I shit you not, Tina, within three uh, weeks, no cancer, cancer at all. found in her body at all yeah. with zero treatment. You Gone. cause it, you can treat, you can, if you cause it, you can, you know, you have the power to do whatever you want to do. Yeah. You're yeah. good or for that. You know, very true. We're going to switch gears here because, you know, I know that your highest level of education was a GUD, which is mm-hmm. the high school diploma, mm-hmm. right? But you went on in 2012 to start your own company from your home. And, um, and then you sold it in 2019, which is seven years later yep. for $500,000. Mm-hmm. So hearing your backstory, okay. There must've been a lot of fear, a lot of insecurity, a lot of doubt. Okay. And you and I, before we started recording here, I was saying to you, you know, when I was reading these notes, I was thinking, well, somebody like that, I would imagine would either go down the wrong path going, Mm -hmm. I don't really care. I don't, I don't matter anyway, Mm -hmm. or they're going to go play it safe. They're going to go work for somebody else Mm -hmm. and just, you know, be grateful that they have a paycheck and some sense of security, which, which I did for a while. Yeah. Okay. But then you went out on your own 
Okay. Mm-hmm. So t- tell us about that experience. What spurred that? Yeah. Um, and, and how did you make that happen? Good question. Um, I, so I'd been an entrepreneur before I started this company in 2012. I had a company back in the nineties and I would go back and forth between having my own business to going back to work for somebody else because I liked having the experience. I learned some things and then go back and start my own business and do something else. And so I did that a couple of times and I was working for a company for a while, uh, in a management position and, um, lot longest job I'd ever held and it was paying really well. And, and, um, although I was living in California at the time, so well over there really doesn't get you very far. So, um, you know, I was, uh, so anyway, um, I had started, uh, I feel like I, the universe was like, look, Jenna, you've been here too long because I started getting just, I wasn't feeling right. I just felt this anxiety. I felt this, uh, just like something isn't right. And I remember, one day I go to the office and um, I had you know, a bunch of salespeople working for me. And this one person was getting her, her contract was going to be expiring. And um, I just, I got this really weird vibe. Like it was so thick, Tina. I just, I've learned to tune into my instincts and I'm like, I was like, I need to leave right now. I feel danger. There's something happening. So I got in my car and I drove off. I never do that. And, um, I mean, I've been there for years and I'm a manager, you like left the job or just left for the day, just left for the day. Okay. And I called my boss and I'm like, uh, something's happening. I don't know what it is, but I have a really bad feeling. And, you know, I'd had intuition before and I was always right. And they, they knew that I was like, um, I just, I'm trusting it. I'm going home. They're like, you get back here. And I'm like, I'm not coming back right now. You're just going to have to trust me on this. And in fact, I'm going to stay home until this person is no longer there. I just feel a sense of, you know, I don't feel right. And uh, so I get back to my, my apartment and I'm like, God, I just don't, I I don't even want to be here anymore. It's like, I, there's all these things happening that are just like trying to shove me out the door. You know what? I'm just going to quit. So I wrote my resignation, um, you know, doing it all tactfully, my two weeks notice And I, and I, I tell, you know, I tell them, look, I'm not going back until she's gone. They try to get me to come back and fire her. And I wouldn't, um, they, so somebody else let her go and I come back and, you know, I got severely reprimanded for it. I'm like, well, look guys, it's just not gonna, you know, work out anyways. Here's my resignation. And I, and, and it felt so good to hand that in. And I really didn't know what I was going to do, but I just felt right. And, you know, in the end, um, come to find out that, um, uh, we're going to fire you. What? No, 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 they, they weren't going to, but uh, I think they figured they'd teach me a lesson or something. But I heard later from the guy who worked at the front office that that woman had gone to him. This was a few days later after I resigned or I handed my notice. So I'm still working there. And he says, you know what, Jenna? Uh, yeah. So-and-so was saying to me, um, I know I'm going down and I'm taking a couple bitches down with me. And I was oh, like, so that's what you were picking up on. That was mm-hmm. the energy you were picking up on. Oh, yeah. And she was cray cray too. Crazy. Yeah. And I had no idea what this woman was capable of. But I, I didn't know. I didn't even know anything. I just felt the energy. And I was right. like, this feels really just like something's going to happen to me. And I just don't trust it. So anyway, I'm glad I listened to my instinct. And you know what? I ended up, I didn't know what I'd do at first. I hadn't planned this out, but here I am at, I'm at home and I decided to take a couple months um, and figure things out. And I'm like, you know, I love being an entrepreneur. Let me just 
try my hand at this again in this other industry that I really liked. I've learned a bunch of stuff since then. I think I can take it into this new company. And so I started the business and you know what? I got a put, uh, I got that confirmation um, that I was on the right path pretty quickly and started my, my first client was NASDAQ and um, I'm like, okay, this is, this is pretty cool. So what was the actual company? Uh, it was a promotional merchandise company. So branded merchandise for businesses, B2B sales. Um, and, um, and, and so it's called brand spirit. That's the company mm-hmm. I sold. Okay. And, um, and so, yeah. So anyways, I just went, went for it and it started working out great. And it was a wonderful experience. I kept it very small. Um, mm-hmm. and so I, and then I ended up, um, selling it. I, so I grew it and over time and I, I, what was beautiful about having my own business again, um, and with modern technology is that I could work from anywhere. So right. I was traveling, I was, you know, I moved up North to Northern California. I could take my business with me. I, I bought some properties in Atlanta. I mean, I expanded myself so much after leaving that job. So I really was meant to be gone. I mean, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be writing this book on self-love. It's all part of my journey. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And you know what, let me say something, you know, your backstory is probably the reason you're doing what you're doing. I mean, seriously, you would, if you had the perfect childhood or near the perfect or, Mm -hmm. you know, parents that completely just smothered you with love, you probably wouldn't be writing this book. You wouldn't be having this podcast. And so anybody that's listening, you know, when they, when you have a challenge, okay. And you're kind of like, why me? Really listen. If you're going to ask the question, then listen for the answer. Okay. Cause the answer will come to you if you're quiet enough, because the answer is in the suffering. There's something that you don't just suffer, suffer for, for no good reason. No, you know, there is a purpose and a reason behind it. But if you get stuck in just the question and, and not listen for the answer, then you're going to be miserable. Okay. But if you can yeah. take that question and really listen for the answer and, and, and be aware of your surroundings, you know, you will find your purpose. And you know what, that purpose could be greater than you ever even imagined. Or maybe not even just your purpose, but also the, perhaps what has happened to me is sometimes a karmic reason why something happened. I've had that, like those epiphanies before where I had a big moment, a breakup with someone who really just screwed me big time. And I was like, why did I like, my world was shook off its Mm -hmm. axis. And Mm -hmm. I was just, uh, how would you say it? Out of balance, out of whack for like a while. I just couldn't find my grounding. And uh, that's happened to me. Oh my God. It was, it was so intense. And I'm like, why universe? Why, you know, what is, what is it? Why did this happen? And then one day I'm literally sitting on the toilet and (laughs) I'm just like in this deep meditative mode and it came to me and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I caused this. I caused yeah, for it. me, for me, I always found that when that happened with me, it was because I was giving my power away way too early. Mm-hmm. I would dive right in without even seeing if there was water in the swimming pool. Oh, yes. You know, I wanted to be loved so badly mm-hmm. and I didn't want to be alone. You know, I had abandonment issues and, you know, and unworthy issues and I just felt like, oh, you know, I found this connection. And, you know, for me, I either connect with somebody or I don't. I'm not really this in-between person. Me too. Yeah. Grows on I'm you. the same. Um, but then when I go in and, but now I've grown wiser and, you know, I'm just a little bit more reserved. I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah. Cautiously optimistic is what I would say. And cautiously you know optimistic. So, okay. Yeah. I'm just so, I'm so good in my own space and my yeah. own life, you know, whereas I, 
if I look back, the reason I was doing that, giving my power away and jumping in so quickly, because I felt like I was missing something because I was, I was not, I was not fully integrated. Me too. Like I am now. I just, I just couldn't be happier. So, you know, it's true. It's not 50, 50, make a whole it's a hundred percent. Yeah. You said, you said that on my show too. And I was like, wow, that that's so powerful. And it's so true. And, and yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're not, if you're not lacking for anything, then you're only going to attract abundance. If you're coming into it, lacking, you're going to attract, you're going to lack what you're going to attract, whatever you are. Yeah. 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 So, um, you said you used to be a very private person. I would never imagine I'm telling you two years ago, if you would have ever said, Hey, Jenna, would you ever see yourself having a podcast talking about your personal stories, basically divulging all of your deep, dark, everything, um, all of your trauma, all of the things that, I mean, I'm surprised I'm not crying right now Mm -hmm. because it, it, and thank goodness I've had enough times where I've talked about these things and trust me, reading my manuscript back, I'm going through editing another round of editing right now. Every single time I'd read a chapter, I would just, it's, it's like, break down. It's like reliving it over and over and over again. And I still feel the emotions right now, you know, like I could easily just, but thank goodness I'm getting used to it. And this is almost like going through therapy, uh, uh, you know, and thank, and thank goodness that you do, because, you know, it's very, very important to feel those emotions to, to be able to release them. Yeah. If you, you know, anything you resist keeps coming back to want you. And that's, you know, like when I was being interviewed yesterday, they said, what's your last you know, words of advice or wisdom or whatever it was. And it just, I I just blurted it out because it's really so top of my mind. It's just stop resisting and and completely surrender. My life is completely changed. I mean, as long as you're in resistance, you're cutting off the flow of life. You're cutting off all the beautiful energy. And, you know, we have to look backwards. Sometimes we have to relive that to release it. Otherwise, if we're just going, no, I'm not going to look at it. No, I'm not going to look at it. It's still there. It's still very much alive. You're keeping it alive by looking the other way. As long as you stare it down, it's just like, it's just like fear. When you look at fear straight in the face, it dissipates. Yeah. But you know, when you turn away from it, you're imagining how bad it could be. It can get monstrous. But the minute you look at it, it's like, it's not that bad. Yeah. Well, now we come full circle then on my story with the dream of my mother's birds that I'm trying to, you know, take care of. So uh-huh. my, when I lived with her, you know, besides being locked out and all of that, she would write me the most horrible letters, like horrifying. And I would come home. Sometimes there'd be every single glass, every dish broken on the floor because I ate one of her frozen meals or something. And I just just try it was trauma on a different level mm-hmm. I, I don't think that the the physical abuse was I I don't think I'm ha- I harbor anything about that anymore I think it what led me forward with my trauma informed uh what would you call that trauma informed state or what Mastin Kip says it beautifully and I'm really butchering it right now <laughs> but um but uh you know basically she would write me these horrible letters and I formed limiting beliefs out of them. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not loved. I am, I'm all all alone, you know, um, that one might make me cry because I'm still working it through, you know, and last year that all came up because I uh, was writing about the book, you know, writing the book, you know, just letting it all out. And I'd been through a massive, massive breakup, my huge, 
And it really rocked that one rocked me to my core, the second one in my life that did that. And, um, it really brought up some old stuff, mm-hmm. you know? And so I was like, why am I like, I, it had been a few months. I'd already worked through the breakup stuff and I felt something else coming on. And it felt like this intense burning in my chest, you know? And mm-hmm. I was like, what is this? This can't have to do with the breakup. There's gotta be something else here. And I think what happened was the breakup brought some old energy out, you know, you know how trauma wants, you know, so something triggers something. And uh, Eckhart Tolle talks about this, this, um, this energy that's attached to you, something can trigger it. And then you feel this other old stuff. And so that's what I was feeling was the old stuff. And it was massive. And I would just start feeling this crazy anxiety burning in my chest. And then I started to realize, well, let's let that, let's let that energy flow. What's really there. And as I let it flow through me and I would just put my focus on it, it started to transform into pain and emotion. And Mm -hmm. I would just cry for no reason. And I just, you know what? I let it out because that is that emotional cycle that I think you were referring to earlier is you got to let it, you got to just let it flow. And I didn't even know what it was. I couldn't put my finger on it, but then I was led to Mastin Kipp's book, claim your power. And then I was doing that journaling exercise and uncovered all these limiting beliefs that I'd form. And because of these things that happened because of my mother's you know, uh, mental abuse. And mm-hmm. so yeah, I had literally, when I lived with her, I went numb, the emotions gone. I couldn't cry. I could, I cried so many times, cried myself to sleep. I was a very sensitive child. So I went from a very protected home to a home where I was just mentally abused, crying myself every night to the point where I just literally cut off emotion. So right. it, 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 so going through all that and then leaving her home, you know, yeah, that was only a couple of years. But man, did that leave a lifetime of scars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, and, and, you know, you're going to be addressing this probably for a while. But you know what? It's it's always about the progress, not perfection. Right? Yeah, yeah. So is there something that you do on a daily basis to, you know, is it tools that you use or exercises that you use to keep pushing forward and not get caught in the past or get caught in the negativity or the, well, you know, I have to say, I'm so grateful for what happened going through that last year, because I think I, I finally addressed that trauma. I think I'm so lucky that I did. Um, I did a post about this recently where relationships are mirrors. And I really feel like, you know, in, in one of my last relationships, I kept thinking, my God, if he would only work through his childhood trauma, you know, like our father's, uh, because like your dad had his stuff, I, my dad had his childhood trauma, but never worked, never worked on it. H- had they worked on it, you know, it would, they would be so much better as a person. Our relationship would be better. They'd, you know, be overall better and come to find out it was I who needed to work on my childhood trauma. Right. So that was that mirror being shown to me. So I feel like I have been addressing it. You're right. It'll still be an ongoing process, but, um, I feel like that emotion, that was sitting there, just sitting in my energy field, got mm-hmm. to work through. It got addressed. It got attention. I'm so is there something it. you do on a daily basis though? That, so I that... journal. Okay. But um, yeah, I journal. And I, and you sure. know what? That helps me grow my relationship yeah. with myself. I think yes. it's really important. Yeah. Exponentially. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, it's been such a pleasure. And your book is coming out when? So it'll be out um, January, February of next year. That's the target date. Yeah. And okay. it's called I Love Me More. 
Oh, I love that. I love me more. Thank That's you. great. And you tell us about your podcast. Where can they find your podcast? So it's the Jenna Banks show and they can find it um, at, at Jenna Banks which is my YouTube handle or on my Instagram page. I also do it on IGTV. So that's at Jenna Banks as well. And okay. yeah. Any takeaways before we leave? Um, well, I don't know. I could literally talk to you forever, Tina. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you I know, could we- too. so like, like one, th- one, one, one takeaway just to anybody that's listening, just, you know, one thing that could maybe move the needle for them. You know, okay. I will say that, um, you know, here I am writing a book about self-love and I realize that, Yes, I did little, I had to learn how to love myself along the way. And I did a good job of it. But once I started diving into the book, I realized that, you know, making yourself a priority and prioritizing your relationship with yourself is absolutely vital. It's absolutely vital. As much as you think that you love yourself, we can all, it's it's a, a constant journey and a lifetime practice that needs to be taken on like anything else, like yoga, like exercising, eating healthy, building a relationship with yourself and making a conscious effort to spend time with yourself and get to know yourself, um, is absolutely everything. The best investment you'll ever make, you know, and, and your knee jerk reaction is to try and get it from out there, whether it's mm-hmm. people, things, places, careers, but it really is all starts within inside. And, you know, it goes from the inside out and whatever you are, you project out to the world. That's what projects back to you. So I think yeah. that's pretty much what you're saying, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We'll I have to have you on when your book comes out and we'll talk more about your book. I would love that, Tina. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you for being so transparent and sharing your story. It's truly inspirational. Hey, if you, uh, all those, uh, all of you out there that are watching, I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you haven't subscribed to my YouTube channel, please do. It's Tina Marks TV. Um, And of course, you listen to the podcast. It's Transparent Tina. We will see you next week. And thank you, Jenna. Thank you.